Thanks for checking out the Southcrest Church Podcast. We are one church meeting in two locations in South Atlanta. You can find us online at southcrest.tv. Now let's hear a word from God today. Well, happy Easter! Man, you guys look awesome. You look marvelous. I just want to say that. You guys look great. Hey, thanks for being here today. I want to welcome both of our campuses and our overflow environment. We are packed to the hill today. Uh, here at Noonan and LaGrange. Yeah, let's give the Lord a big round of applause this morning. This is the day we're here to celebrate. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you came on this specific day. And so I want to do this first because some of you go, okay, it's Easter, man. It's a little tense, like we're talking about the death of Jesus and the resurrection. So do this real quick. Just go, Okay, just relax, okay? Because some of you have already been stressed out before you got here, right? You wanted to kill your kids and see if they resurrected. So, so here's the thing. So before you go today, I want you to know I'm going to get you home in time to eat lots of peeps, lots of fried chicken, and to watch the sound of music. Okay, I don't know why it's on on Easter, but it's going to be on tonight, okay? So I'm glad you're here. How many of you guys love sports stories? Anybody here love sports stories? I love sports stories. Yeah, sports stories get me excited. I love, one of my favorite ways to watch sports stories is through the way that ESPN does it. They have these documentaries called 30 for 30. You guys ever seen these documentaries, 30 for 30? They tell a story about a team or about an athlete or about an individual. And in their story, they always talk about uh, how they maybe had faced this adversity or they went through this thing in their life. And, and they usually start out, you know, with the history about how it all came together and then what they went through and what they had to overcome to become who they were today. And it's so awesome because in these stories, when you watch them, what makes them so powerful is they seem so personal, right? Like you feel like after that story, like I have literally watched this person's comeback story. And I love those stories. So I want to ask you a question today. If ESPN were to come to your house or my house and they were to pull out, pull out all of their film crews and stuff, and they were to say, hey, we want to shoot a 30 for 30 about your life. What would your story be like? What would it be like? Would it be a setback story? Like, I went through all these things in my life, and here's what I'm still going through? Or would it be a comeback story? Would it be a setback story, or would it be a comeback story? Would it, would it kind of read like this? My life is a set of bad decisions that have created radical setbacks in my life. Or, when I was seven, I was given a label and I've never, ever been able to overcome that label. Or maybe this would be the way they would tell your story. Your story is marred by a nasty divorce. And that one bad relationship in your life has defined all of your setbacks ever since. What would it be like? Would it be, hey, my, my, my whole 30 for 30 is about how addiction wrecked my life or how a disease wrecked my life. Some of you say, my story will forever be marred by the word cancer. Would it be a setback story or would it be a comeback story? I want to give you some really awesome news on Easter Sunday. Comeback stories in life are possible. Do you believe that? You believe that, LaGrange? You believe that, Noonan? I believe that. 
comeback stories in life are possible. They happen all the time. I mean, just look at the world around you. It's the, the buzzer beater shot, right? We're in, the middle of, we're in the middle of March Madness. It's that one shot made from the half-court line that drains and takes them to the next round. It's that one defensive play. It's that one business decision. It's that one person you meet that creates a whole network of new relations. It's a new set of circumstances. It's a new tomorrow. It's a new day. Comebacks in life are possible. They're possible. They happen all the time. It happens all around us. I kind of like how Vince Lombardi, the old coach of the Green Bay Packers, said it when he talked about coming back. He said, glory is not in winning. Glory is in coming back. Now, that dude knew a lot about winning, but I tell you what, he found something that we know is true in life, and that is that comebacks in life are possible. But here's the problem. Setbacks make us think that comebacks are impossible, right? We look at the circumstances of our life, We look at the circumstances of our world and we go, there is no way that I can overcome this setback. In fact, I want to say it this way. God will often allow setbacks on our life because he wants us to experience the power of a comeback. I know that's true in my life. There's been times I'm like, God, why am I going through this? And God's going, Sean, I got something better for you. And I'm allowing you to face a setback because I want you to experience the power of a comeback in your life. And think about it this way. When you experience those comebacks, it usually starts with one chain of decisions, one chain of events that leads to another chain of decisions and another chain of events. But God often allows these setbacks because he's really just setting us up for a greater comeback. You see, that's why I love Easter because... Some of you are here today and you say, Sean, I feel like my life is nothing but a setback story. Like I've spent my entire life trying to figure out how to overcome my setback story. But I want you to hear this today. God is way more committed to writing your comeback story than you think he is. I want to remind you something. He is the God of the impossible. There's nothing he can't do. God loves to write comeback stories. You see, we all experience setbacks in life. There's some of us in this room, we're like, I have never experienced a setback in my life. Okay, you're dead. If you've never experienced a setback, someone ran over you probably when you were 12 and you just never knew it. No one is exempt from setbacks in this world. No one is exempt from setbacks in your life that are going to cause you to get to the depth of your soul and say, I wish I could just crawl in a hole and die. (laughs) But I want to tell you about the greatest setback that we all face in this room. Every single one of us, Noonan, LaGrange, Overflow, we're all in this same setback. And here's what it is. The setback we face in life that's the greatest is sin. The greatest setback we ever face in our life is sin. We're born into it. We didn't ask to be born into it, but from the time of the fall of man until now, we're born into sin. And the greatest setback we ever face is sin. Listen to what Paul says in the book of Romans about this. He says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned. I was doing a word study the other day of the word all. You know what it means? All. (laughs) Like everyone. 
Not just some, not just those who look better than others or those who look worse than others, but every single person. And here's what that means. Because of sin, you and I never measure up to God's original design for our life. In fact, we always fall short. We always come up short over and over again. Why? Because we've all sinned. So I want to tell you some awesome news on this Resurrection Sunday. I want to tell you about the greatest comeback story of all time. And I want to tell you how this story can personally affect your life and change your life. So here's what I know about comeback stories. Comeback stories typically have three to five different key elements. I want to share three of those with you today. Three things that I think are true of every great comeback story. If you have a pen, you might want to write this down. This will help you later on because there may be a test at the dinner table, right? Number one, every comeback story begins with insurmountable odds, right? It's that team that should have never made it to the next round. They should have never made it to the playoff. They, they, they struggled all year. They had injuries. It's that person who you think, wait a minute, they, they went through amputation. They went through disease. They went through addiction. How in the world are they in this spot? Every great comeback begins with insurmountable odds. Nobody knew this better than Jesus. The Bible tells us that he was on his way to Jerusalem and he was trying to prepare his disciples about what was going to happen to him. And in the book of Mark, chapter 10, verse 32, listen to what he says. They were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way and the disciples were astonished while those who followed were afraid. And again, he took the 12 aside and told them what was going to happen to him. He said, we're going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and they will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. And three days later, he will rise. The odds were not in Jesus' favor. He literally told his disciples, we are going to go and they are going to capture me hurt me, spit on me, kill me, and I'm going to die. Can you ever think of a greater insurmountable odd to overcome than that? It's like the odds were against Jesus, but God knew that. God knew the odds. He knew the odds he allowed Jesus to be born on this earth. And I want to tell you something today. You see, the world sees the cross of Jesus as a setback, but God used it to pair the greatest comeback. You see, sometimes our setbacks are nothing but preparation for our comebacks, even when the odds are totally against us. So I want to tell you this today. The odds are not in my favor or your favor either. (laughs) Can I get an amen? (laughs) Some of you go, Sean, I'm about to pay taxes, bro. The odds are not in my favor. (laughs) But I want to tell you, God knows that too. And that's why he sent Jesus Christ to this earth, so that you and I could beat the odds. He is the God of the impossible. Every comeback story begins with insurmountable odds. You know what else is true about a comeback story? Every comeback has a defining moment. It has a defining moment in that comeback, right? They're like halfway through the game or someone's halfway through their life and there's one key decision that becomes like the hinge point that seems to change everything. And from that point forward, it's like the comeback is on. 
You know that it's going to happen. Like you can literally see it before your eyes. Jesus, after he told his disciples what was going to happen to him, he walked a little further to a place called the Garden of Gethsemane. And that garden is completely full of nothing but olive trees. And Jesus walked there and he said, guys, I want you to stay here. And the Bible tells us he left them there at the entrance and he kind of went over to some trees and he began to pray and he began to ask God, God, is there any other way that this can happen? Now, here's what's crazy. Jesus prayed under an olive tree. The Bible says that he literally got back up and went back to the disciples and kept checking on them, but he prayed three different times. How symbolic it is that an olive, when it's pressed, has to be pressed three times before it's completely crushed. Everything Jesus did had meaning. And at the end of that moment, he says these words in Matthew 26, 39. He says, my father... If it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Nine decisive words that defined the moment. Every great comeback story, every great comeback in life has a defining moment. Jesus decided in that moment he was willing to let the Father crush him so that he could endure a cross. Here's what's crazy about that. That one decision in a garden forever changed human history. If Jesus wouldn't have said those words, he would have never known what it meant to get to the cross. He would have never given up his will. So I want to make it clear today, the decision to die was Jesus's. It wasn't the chief priest. It wasn't the people. It wasn't even those Roman soldiers that hung him on a cross. The decision to die and the defining moment came at the hands of Jesus. Because every comeback has a defining moment. He never quit. He saw the cross before him. And I have to believe he saw the world and said, it's worth it. It's worth it. You know what else every comeback has? Every comeback has the power to change others. Think about it. How many times have you seen a team or an athlete and they win this massive game or this person does this incredible thing in their life and and they go back to a moment or they go back to a person who inspired them? And if it wouldn't have been watching this athlete from 20 years ago or this leader from 30 years ago or this person who went to war, whatever it was in their life, they would have never had the courage or the ability to take on that circumstance themselves. Every comeback has the power to change others. So I want to tell you some awesome news today. Our comeback story is directly related to his. You see, we've all experienced a setback because of sin in our life. But the Bible tells us on the third day after they had crucified Jesus that he came out of the grave and the comeback that he experienced is what we call the resurrection. And now his comeback is directly related to our comeback. See, that's good news today. 
Because some of us in this room, you go, Sean, my life is nothing but one fat setback. I've never experienced resurrection life. I've heard about it. Like, I come every Easter to hear about it. I want to believe that Jesus is out of that tomb. But the truth is, until, until we know that he's out of that tomb and until we've experienced it, it may not become real to us. In fact, Paul in the book of Romans, here's how he said that that story, that comeback that Jesus made out of the grave has the power to change us. Look what he says in Romans 8, 11. He said, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the spirit who lives in you. You see, it's through the resurrection of Jesus that I can experience a changed life and a comeback. That's it. So how does this comeback that Jesus had changed me? Because I know if I was you, I'd be asking the question, okay, yeah, I'm not here to debate whether or not the resurrection happened. I'm I'm just asking the question, how could it change me? Like here today, LaGrange Noonan. How could it change me? I want to give you this promise today. It's so awesome. Jesus has the power to write your comeback story. Because he is alive. Because he is risen. He has the power to write your comeback story. Think about this. What's one of the songs we always sing on Easter Sunday? Like, I didn't grow up in church, but I remember hearing this song a few times. It says, because he lives, I can what? I can face tomorrow. I mean, think about it. Because he lives, I can't just think I can just face tomorrow because here's the cool thing. Jesus has the power to write my comeback story. He's already in my tomorrow. And that's why I face it. He has the power to write your comeback story, my comeback story, her comeback story, their comeback story. There's one moment in Scripture. It's at the end of the Gospel of John. John was the disciple whom Jesus loved. And so every gospel has a different perspective from the person who wrote it. And John saw many things that Jesus did. And as he saw these things that Jesus did, he would write about them. And there would be times he would just tell what was happening, and then there was times he'd kind of back up and say, now this is what this means. And in John 20, we see one of these moments. At the end of John 20, Jesus had come back from the grave. Thomas had just walked in and said, Jesus, if that's really you, I want to touch your side. And so John was witnessing Thomas walk up and touch the side of the resurrected Jesus. Like, how cool would that be, right? And then John backs away from that moment after Thomas, and here's what he says to us in verse 30 and 31. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And listen, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. John said, I want to tell you why I'm telling you about this resurrection moment. I want to tell you why I'm telling you about Jesus' comeback. 
because I want you to believe on the name of Jesus and that by believing in his name, you could experience resurrection life in his name. You see, you don't have to settle for a setback story. You can experience a comeback story. You don't have to settle for the things that have just circumstantially happened to you in your life. You can come and say, God, I have maybe blown it like people have blown it against me, but the truth is you are more committed to writing my comeback story because I can look at an empty tomb. You see, here's the greatest comeback story. When you know your sins are truly forgiven and you can experience resurrection life. There is no greater comeback. There is no greater thrill ride. There is no greater experience than to know that Jesus has not only paid for your sins, but he's wiped it away, and now you can live in the power of the comeback of his resurrection. You see, the resurrection of Jesus doesn't become powerful until it becomes personal. I remember growing up, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but I grew up in a great home. Parents loved me. We feared God. We feared baseball, God, and hot dogs. Amen? We're American. But here's the thing. I knew about the resurrection of Jesus most of my life, but until as a 17-year-old boy, I committed my life to Christ, I didn't understand the power of that resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus doesn't become powerful until it becomes personal. And when it does, it changes you because, you see, my setbacks in life became a comeback when I realized that there was a resurrected king who had the power to resurrect me. And it changed my life. And it's still changing my life today as I follow Christ. And some of you are shaking your head because you've experienced that power too, and that's awesome. And some of you going, man, if that's true, I want that. I want that. You see, when you place your faith and trust in Jesus, he has the power to write your comeback story. And here's why. The empty tomb means that I don't have to live an empty life. Can I get an amen to that? The empty tomb means I don't, have to leave. I don't have to have an empty life. I mean, Jesus defeated death when he came out of that tomb and when he died on that cross. He forever broke the curse of sin in this world. And we can have the freedom of real forgiveness and real life, as John said, in his name. So let me ask you. What difference does it make if we show up here on a Sunday and we celebrate an empty tomb if it doesn't have the power to change us on Monday? But it does. It's real. It's life-altering. It's changing. Because Jesus, when he came out of the tomb, forever had the power to write our comeback story. And here's what I want to say to you today. Because Jesus came back, we can have a comeback. Because Jesus came back, we can have a comeback. I want to tell you a story. 1974, there was a young coach by the name of Digger Phelps. He was 32 years of age, and in 1971, he became the head coach of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. 
As a young coach, he had a huge responsibility because one of the teams that he was slated to play was a very successful team known as the UCLA Bruins. The UCLA Bruins had an 88-game winning streak. They hadn't lost in years in basketball. And they had a coach that many of you know. His name is John Wooden, one of the greatest basketball coaches of all time. And they had played each other earlier in the season, and Notre Dame had lost. And so it was the second time they were going to play in the season, and Digger Phelps decided that he was going to do something different. His players showed up to practice that day, and he said, uh, hey, guys, I want us to practice really hard, and when we finish today, I want us to do something different. And so they practiced, and they worked, and at the end of practice, he said, guys, I want you to go over there to the janitor's closet, and I want you to go pick up a ladder, and I want you to bring that ladder out here, and I want you to set it underneath this goal." And as you set it underneath the goal, I want you, each one of you, I want you to get up on that goal. And uh, before we leave today, I want you to practice the victory that you already have. I want you to start cutting down the net. So can you imagine what his players thought? Coach, they haven't lost in two seasons. He said, I don't care. He said, I want each of you to take the scissors and I want you to start cutting down the net. They went home that night, and the players said, man, I hope Coach gets some sleep because he's kind of lost his brains. Come back the next day, they practice extra hard, and Coach Phelps looks at them, and he says, hey, guys, I want you to go finish practice, and when you're done, I want you to go get that ladder, and I want you to come stand uh, right under there, and I want you to continue. Uh, I put a new net up for you. I want you to cut down the net. And they did that on Tuesday. And they did that on Wednesday. And they did it on Thursday. And every day, Digger Phelps said, I want you to go cut down that net because when we come to Saturday, I want you to understand you've already won the victory. Have you ever been to a championship before? They win. There's always that one point where they throw them a hat, they throw them a t-shirt, and all the players, they start putting on all the t-shirts, and they start putting on all the hats, and they start digging around, and you know, the shirts are too big, the hats are too cray-cray, okay, too crazy, they put them on, but they stand before the world, and they put a net around their neck, because they cut it down because they won. I want to tell you the truth today. Through Jesus' comeback of the resurrection from the grave, because he came back from death, and because he forever paid for the penalty of our sin, Jesus climbed up on a cross and he cut down the net of sin and death forever. And today, here's what I want you to hear. I can experience victory because of his comeback. In fact, I want to say it to you this way. His comeback forever secured ours. He said, it's done. It's finished. It's over. 
I cut down the net 2,000 years ago and I went to a grave. And on the third day, like I just see Jesus raining some threes there, right? On the third day, I came out of the grave and I secured your victory. Would you bow your heads with me today? Thanks for listening to this week's message from South Crest Church. You can connect with us on our app today. There you can watch, listen, or even give to this ministry. If you have any questions or want to share your story with us, you can send us an email at hello at southcrest.tv. We'll see you next time.